In Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 through 21, it's a very familiar passage uh, where Jesus multiplies uh, the, these fish and these loaves. And this is really where we're going to park today. It says this in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages to buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves and, uh, of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. I don't know about you, but when I read stories like this, it's kind of funny because we just act like it's normal. Like th This would be like going to In-N-Out. You get one bag, you get home, and there's like 15 bags, and there's like 12 bags. It just doesn't make sense. It's insane. But Jesus was always doing extraordinary things. Jesus would take things that people overlooked, and he would create like these masterpieces. It was incredible. Have you ever met someone, maybe in your life, someone that has like a, an ability to like make a masterpiece out of nothing? We all have like that one friend. For me, it's not really my friend. It's my mom. Shout out to mom. She sits way in the back over there. Love you. I, I just heard you were here. I don't even know. Are you here? I hope you're here. There she is. <clears throat> my mom has been creating masterpieces her whole life. Like she doesn't have a college degree. She didn't go to school for anything specific. I won't tell you what grade she made it to. It doesn't matter. She creates masterpieces. And, and, and I learned this, like, from an early age. Like, she would take things that we all overlooked, and she would do something phenomenal with it. I mean, I could be up here for days telling you stories, but, like, this one time in our neighborhood, we were running out of things to do. So when we're bored, we would grab rocks, and we would throw it at this church that was <laughs> Linda. I'm sorry. <clears throat> she knows about this. This church that was... And we, this is what we were bored. My mom said, bring me the rock. Bring me the rock. And I kid you not, she, she lined up like, there's like 16 kids in the neighborhood. She says, you eight, you sit here. And you eight, you sit there. So we're sitting next to each other. And we're sitting in front of the other eight. And she's like, now this is a rock. And she named it this name. I'm, I can't pronounce it. It was in Spanish. And I know it's not even like a real game. So I'm not going to give her any credit. Because I know you made that up on the spot. It was a masterpiece. So she said, OK, you're going to put the rock behind your back. And the other team has to guess who has the rock. If they, get, if they guess right, then the person's closest to the finish line. They stick their leg out. Then you do a high jump thing. And then you land there. And whoever gets to the end first wins. It's just and she took a rock. This was the greatest game. We were like covering so much ground, jumping, guessing who We were going to end up in the wrong neighborhood. We had to quit the game, cut the game early. But she would take random things and create masterpieces. Shout out. One time, we needed an antenna. We needed an antenna. 
We didn't have an antenna. TV wasn't working. I come back in maybe 30 minutes later, the TV's working, but there's no antenna. I'm thinking, what did you do? She took this random plastic vine-looking flower thing she got probably at Ross in the sales section, and she ripped it and she connected that vine into the TV that somehow magically made the TV. I'm like, how did you do that? It was insane. But where she really shines was in the kitchen. Because for me, I didn't have an iPad when I was a kid. So when I was bored, I would go to the refrigerator. And you know you're bored when you're like just kind of hanging by the, you know, you're not even looking. You're just kind of hanging by the doors. And like any kid that's chubby like me as a kid, I and still am. But I said, Mom, there's nothing to eat in here. There was nothing. She would go in there and find random pieces of things. I'm sure there were things that were expired, but she would take these things. She'd take these things and she'd put these things together and she would create masterpieces out of nothing. In this story, we see Jesus taking some fish and some bread that was barely enough to feed maybe a person. And he took it and he created a masterpiece. And, and we're going somewhere with this today. And when I think about Jesus, or, or like my mom, and I think about myself and maybe the disciples, like for me, I get happy about the masterpiece. But certain people get happy before it was ever a masterpiece. They get happy when it was just a bunch of little random baby pieces. What if today you had pieces of things that were connected to a masterpiece? Like, I know today when you go home, you don't see a masterpiece, but what if there were some things that you possess today that were tied into the masterpieces you have been praying for? These disciples, these 5,000-plus people, they experienced a masterpiece, but they almost overlooked the pieces that were connected to what they were praying for. And this morning, I want to hone in on three specific things that these people almost overlooked. Three things that they almost overlooked. Before I do, the title of my message is, is this today. Normally overlooked until now. Normally overlooked until now. There were three things that they almost overlooked in the story. And if we're not careful... These could be three things that we might be overlooking in our life today. And again, the danger to overlooking them is that you could miss out on the masterpiece that you have been believing for. There's three things in the story, and we're going to break down each one of these. The first thing are people. The second thing are places. And lastly, the third thing are things. They almost overlooked people. They almost overlooked a place, and they almost overlooked a thing. People, places, and things. I believe in our life you may not have a ton of things, but you have people, you have places, and you have things. And if we're not careful, we will fall into the trap of the disciples and possibly miss out on the masterpieces. Let's start off with people. People. There's different accounts to this story. 
And we just read the account from Matthew, but there's another gentleman named John. And John has his perspective of the same story. And I want to read John's account in John chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. It says this, Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? In this story, apparently the kid that had the five loaves and two fish was just like a little, he's just a little boy, just a little boy. And, and, and I'm sure out of all of the people, this little boy that was there was probably easily overlooked. Like surely the answer to what we've been praying for is not in the relationship closest to me. I think about the people that God has put in our life. Maybe it's your brother. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's that person that you sit next to at work. So many times we overlook the relationships that God has placed in our life. We overlook the people that God has put there on purpose to help you create the masterpiece that you were designed to see. We overlook them. We overlook them. This is why, this is why like, you're, like my wife can give me advice and then I go hear it from some random stranger and I'm like, oh my goodness, you would never believe what they told me. And she's like, I've been telling you that for the last like, 12 years. Like how many times are we not thankful for the people that God has put so close to us? He's just a little, he's just a little kid. It's just him. Well, what does he have? Maybe he has the very thing that you've been praying for. Maybe that's the relationship that has your back through thick and thin. I, I always have overlooked these people in my life. The people that had my back. The people that were there for me when I needed them the most were the very people that I was not thankful for. And I think sometimes the reasons why we're not thankful for the people God's put in our, in our life in our circles, is because we're in close proximity to them. And sometimes when you're in close proximity to people, you don't just see their strengths, you see their weaknesses. When I was in middle school, there was this girl I had like this big crush on from a distance. I had a huge crush on her from a distance. One day I built up the courage to go and talk to this girl. I'm not going to say her name because I'm shocked at who comes to Celebration Church these days. So... I build up the courage, like I have my, my line that I'm going to use. Again, I'm in middle school, so it was probably something really corny. But I get up, and I start talking to her, and she starts talking back to me. And when she does, I realize someone must have told her that a toothbrush was a dangerous weapon to use. This girl, her breath, it was just horrendous. And it, but it wasn't until I got up closer that I realized, wow, I want nothing to do with you. Sometimes the closer you are to people... The more faults you see in those people. I, I get that they're a strength, but man, I see your weaknesses. But what if you could see the strengths that these people possess? Like, I know your husband doesn't wash the dishes, but did he wash a dish today? I, I mean, I know your wife isn't the best cook on the planet, but does she sit there listening to your boring stories all day long? Can we find something? That's me. Like, my wife will act so interested and I know she's not, but it makes me feel special. In 2 Corinthians, I want to read this, and there's a reason why, why this was 
was, 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 was written. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. I'm going to just park right there. The Bible wants you and I not to look at people the way that we view them, but how God views them. If we could ever see the people closest to us the way that God sees them, you would have a different form of compassion on the inside of you. There would be something on the inside of you that can't wait to say, thank you for picking me. Thank you for being my spouse. Thank you for being my kid. Like, I know your kid is crazy sometimes, but if you've seen your child the way that God sees your child, I, he may have a mouth on him, but one day he may be called to reach thousands of people that needed a little mouth on him. The Bible makes it really, really clear. When you're looking at people, fight not to look at them through a merely human viewpoint, but through God's viewpoint. When you can do this, you'll start paying attention to the people that God has put in your life for a reason. They overlooked this little boy, and they overlooked Jesus in this story. Like, apparently this problem's way too big for Jesus to handle. Jesus, get everybody out of here. Let's just... But Jesus in this story was also overlooked. But Jesus was used to being overlooked his entire life. When the king of kings came on the scene, he didn't even have a place to be born. They had a, he had a, he was, it was, he was in a barn. I mean, Jesus even himself made this statement to, to, to a bunch of his followers. Jesus one day decided to go home for Thanksgiving. He goes home on Thanksgiving. Well, it's not really, this is my story, but he goes home. He starts preaching in the churches there. And everyone was like super amazed by Jesus' preaching until someone realized, hold on, wait, wait, that's, that's just Jesus. That's Mary's son. Yeah, the, the crazy lady that said God got that, 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 that's, he's a part of that crazy family. I know his sister. I know his brother. That's just Jesus. And Jesus said, sometimes the people closest to you will not even see the value that you bring. And because they don't see the value that you bring, they're going to miss out on the value they could have experienced. Don't fall into the trap to become familiar with the family. There's people that God has put in your circles of influence that you're called to lock arms with. Don't be mesmerized by the person off in the distance. Their breath, their breath smells bad too. So just hope that helps. People, people were overlooked. People were almost overlooked in this story. Thank God it wasn't because they experienced a masterpiece. The second thing that I think is very easy to overlook are places. Our places. In uh, verse 15 in Matthew chapter 14, it says, again, we've already read this, but I want to hone in on this part. It says, as, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus is looking to do something incredible in their life, but they can't even see it because they're distracted by the place that they're currently at. I've looked at my own life, and I've missed out on what God was trying to do because I didn't think I was where I was supposed to be yet. I was so fixated on where I'm going. I'm so fixated on the destination that I'm missing out on the miracles God is trying to do right here, right now. Sometimes you just have to park and say, God, thank you for putting me at the job that I'm at. 
Because I believe I'm here on assignment. I believe I'm here on a mission. I believe I'm here on purpose. God, thank you for putting me in the city that I'm in. I love my city. I love being a part of my city. I'm so glad I was born in Fresno and we moved a block and a half away. I'm so glad that I'm, fr I had someone recently, they said, they said, hey, if I could buy you a house in San Diego, buy you a house, whatever, whatever house you wanted, if I get the money to do it, would you move? This was a no-brainer. I said, it'd become a vacation home because my home is in Fresno. And so many times we get fixated on a destination. We get fixated on an opportunity because we're in a place that looks remote and it's getting kind of late. It should have happened by now, so we want to move. God doesn't need your help to make the miracle happen. He just needs your obedience. I'm going to say that one more time because I, the disciples, they didn't mean any harm. Jesus, we're just trying to help you out. There's a big need here, Jesus. Send them to some other villages where there's food so they can go buy it for themselves. Jesus is like, they don't need to go away. Because Jesus is not intimidated by your job. Jesus is not intimidated by your neighborhood. Jesus is not intimidated by your whatever, wherever you think you're at and it's not enough. He's not intimidated by it. Because I would rather be in a remote place with Jesus than in a village without Jesus. Just notice this, and I'm not even sure how this is coming out, but I hope it's translating. The disciples, they say, hey, Jesus, send them away so they can go buy themselves some food. If you leave your assignment to go pick up somebody else, God is not obligated to fulfill your plan there. In other words, if you go, you have to pay for your food. If you go, you're responsible for being God when you're there. If you go, you better produce like you've never produced. Jesus says, if y'all stay, I'll take care of everything. Your assignment is where you want to be. The blessing is where the assignment is at, not where the opportunity is at. Y'all can leave, but y'all going to have to buy it yourself. I hope you packed enough money for you and your whole family. I'd rather be in a desolate place on assignment with God. I know this is like a foreign concept because we live in a funky world. Don't be like that. God is with you. God is for you. God is always on time. He's always on time. Don't be fixated by opportunities. Satan can present to you an opportunity just to get you to miss out on what God was ready to do. But on the same, at the same time, if God is leading you to go to another village, go to the other village. But you have to discern what is leading me, need or God. What is leading me, my need or is it God? That's a whole other message in itself. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 8, just to really validate this point, it says this, The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Not the one you gave yourself, but the one he's giving you is where the blessing is at. You may not like where you're at, but if God put you there, my friend, hold your ground. You may not like the, the pay you're getting right now, but if God put you there, hold your ground. God knows what he's doing. And sometimes he'll put you in a situation that looks like a lose-lose just to see where your trust is. And it's in that People get so fixated at people when they're walking in a blessing, like, I want what you have, but you weren't willing to do what I did. 
there's, there's people right now that are walking in like a profound blessing you'd be shocked at, but you don't know the decisions they had to make in private when they were not popular, but they did, and now God is blessing them. It's powerful, man. Think about the kids that experienced this miracle in this desolate land. Think about the stories that the parents get to tell their grandkids. Yeah, you know, your granddad was just super smart. I crossed every T, dotted every I, and we're a success. Or you know what? I wanted to budge, but I felt like God needed me there, and God blessed us in that desolate land. I, God is looking to do more than you can imagine. Places, they almost overlooked the place that they were at in their life. Band, y'all can come help me up. The last thing, and it's really simple, it's not profound, but I believe it could help you tremendously today, are things, things. They very easily almost overlooked the things. In verse 17 of Matthew 14, it says this, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. We just got five loaves of bread and we just got two fish. Like, I want to change the world. I just don't got a lot that I'm working with. I want to make an impact, but there's not a whole lot that I can do. You know, in this place today, you may, maybe you did, if you're weird, came in with some bread and fish in your pockets, but for the most part, we're not practically talking about fish and loaves. But there are some things that God has given you. Now, it may not be much, but you have it. may not be profound, but you have it. It's not fish and loaves, but there's three things that I believe God has given every single person in this room today. The very first one is time. Say time. The second one is your talent. Say talent. And the last one is your treasure. Say treasure. I believe every person in this place, as busy as you are, you have time. As boring as you might think you are, you have a talent. And as poor as you think you are, you have a treasure. And God has given you these things. Not, not to belittle them. Well, it's just five loaves and two fish. Not to make them small, but to be thankful for what you have. You may only have five minutes available left on your schedule. What if those five minutes could be used to create a masterpiece? You may, you may have a really itty-bitty talent, but what if that talent could be used to bring change to a generation of people? You might feel like you don't have a whole lot. The disciples didn't think it was enough. But in the hands of God, it was absolutely enough to meet some incredible needs. We have time. We have a talent, a God-given ability. And we got treasure. And I think sometimes if we're not just belittling what we have, sometimes we get so mesmerized by other people's time and so mesmerized by other people's talents. And so mesmerized by other people's treasure, and you make yours real itty-bitty small. Just a bunch of pieces. But what if you can make yours a big deal? Like, I know it wasn't like some profound talent that you have, but it's, it's a talent. It can be used. Can you be thankful for it? Like, I know you don't have a huge mansion that you're living in, but you've got a house I, I mean, this a couple weeks ago, I went to like a true desolate land. There was nothing. It was just a bunch of guys that snored. That was it. In the middle of nowhere, in the snow, in the tent, no shower. Thank God it was cold and our noses weren't working because we couldn't smell each other. But it was in that moment I was so grateful for all the things that I had overlooked. 
whether it be time, whether it be your town or your trade, the things that you had, and you don't have to wait till you lose those things to be grateful for those things. Man, God has given us so much. Can we be thankful for what we do have? Because I believe if we could acknowledge what we have, we are one step closer to experiencing the masterpiece you've been praying for. Your masterpiece is found in the time that you have. Your masterpiece is found in that talent and ability that comes easy for you. I mean, you may not even connect the dots, but your talent could provide more income than some nine to five would ever provide. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, you, you don't have a lot of time throughout the day, but those five minutes, ten minutes, one hour could do so much in your life. Start paying attention to those three things. Why? Because you got things to work with. There's one more step, though, and this is like kind of the tough step because it wasn't just enough for the disciples to say, Jesus, well, we found something. I guess we have five minutes. I guess I got a little bit of a talent. I guess I got a little bit of a treasure. It wasn't enough for them just to say, thank you for that. It wasn't enough for them just to acknowledge. Like when you leave this place, I'm pretty sure you're going you're gonna to stop overlooking things that God has already given you. It wasn't just enough to acknowledge it. They had to take another step. And this is the step that truly does lead to the masterpiece. But I want to warn you, this isn't an easy step. It's easy to say thank you. <laughs> thank you, God, I see it. But it's another thing to take this step. In verse 18, Jesus says this to them. Bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. So you acknowledge you got some time? Awesome. You acknowledge you got a little bit of treasure? Great. You acknowledge you got a little talent? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now step two, to see the masterpiece, bring it to me. Oh, shoot. No, 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 Jesus. Hold on. This is my talent. I will use my talent how I want to use my talent. Hold on, Jesus. This is my treasure. No, no, no. If you want to see the masterpiece, you have to take what the master gave you and say, Master, what do you want me to do with these pieces? This is... Hey, Andrew, you're, you're, you're preaching on a stage today. You're a pastor at a church. Like my mom still, my mom thinks this is like fake. She's probably like, this is not true. Because she knows me. She knows me. Andrew, how did any any ounce of success that you have in your life, how did it happen? Well, first I realized I had time, I had a talent, and I had treasure. But it didn't end there. I said, God, what do you want me to do with my time? God, I got this this talent. What what is it that you want me to do with this talent? God, I have some treasure. It's not much, but what do you want me to do with it? When you can take the step of taking your time, your talent, and your treasure, and you bring it to him in a posture of surrender, then the miracles will begin to take place. It was itty-bitty pieces. And I don't want to belittle your time, talent, and treasure, but it's itty-bitty pieces in your hands. But when it gets into the hands of your creator, those itty-bitty pieces turn into a masterpiece. I want to invite you to stand to your feet really quick. Man, I just really believe that throughout this day, throughout this week, man, God's going to highlight things in your life. He's going to highlight people that you've been overlooking. He's going to highlight 
maybe the place, the job, where you, maybe where you, he's going to highlight these things. He's going to highlight the time that you have, the treasure that you have. He's going to highlight these things. But remember, that's just the first part. If you can be bold, if you can be courageous to say, God, like I kind of have my plans for this stuff, but what are your plans for this? If you can have the courage to do that, that is, the, that is where the masterpiece begins. And I just want to pray for people in this place today for the boldness and courage to do what God is calling you to do. There's one thing that the enemy will use to keep your life small, and it's fear. It's going to be fear of failing. It's, it's going to be fear of your past catching up to you. He's going to use fear, the fear of people. What are they going to think when I take this itty-bitty thing and do this? That was the very first thought that I had in my mind when I was at a youth camp, and I said, God, I whatever you want me to do, and the first thing that popped into my heart was ministry. You're going to be a pat. My first thought is, what are they going to think? Like, I'm going to go home and tell my mom. I'm only up here because I did something stupid and I didn't want to go to jail. I'm going to go back home and tell them I'm going to be a pastor. What are they going to think? Fear is going to try to keep those things in your hands. And it's in that moment you have to know you're dealing with something that is trying to paralyze you. You're dealing with something that's trying to minimize your life. You're dealing with something that's trying to keep your life small. The Bible says that fear is not a feeling. Fear is a spirit. And it's our job to resist the spirit of fear. Sometimes on purpose, if I feel like fear is trying to be loud in my life, I will do the complete opposite of what he's trying to tell me to do. Just to make it very clear, fear, you don't govern me. I am a person of faith. Because it takes faith to take what you have and say, all right, God, whatever you say, we're going to pray for boldness, and then we're going to come against the spirit of fear. You would walk in freedom that nothing would hold you back while you're here on this planet. Let's pray. God, today, we just first and foremost thank you for your word that, that has helped us today. And God, I just thank you for every person in this room, every person that's tuning in online. God, I pray that you would just begin to shine a light on all the things maybe they've been overlooking. Shine a light on the relationships that they shouldn't have overlooked. Shine a light on the talents that they shouldn't have minimized. Shine a light on the treasure that we're just so accustomed to. God, I pray that we would have the boldness to do with those things what you want us to do with those things. The boldness to take the steps that you've called us to take. To turn left when you say turn left. To turn right when you say turn right. And right now we just come against the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear that has tried to paralyze your people in their tracks. Fear, release them in Jesus' name. Fear, you have no hold on our life again. Fear, you are a spirit that is not from God, so we command you to go now. We, by faith, are people of faith. We are people that are more that have more than enough. We are people that are called by God. We are people that have a purpose and a plan for our lives. I declare that greater is he that is on the inside of us than he that comes against us. I declare we're overcomers, that our futures are bright. I declare for people that struggle with the fear of death, I declare with long life, God will satisfy you. With long life, God will satisfy you. Declare you are the healed of the Lord. 
you are prospering in every area. What you put your hand to prospers. God, we just speak, just that you would just begin to multiply things in their life. That you would begin to multiply things in in their lives. God, I pray for broken families, broken relationships. God, I pray that the restoration process would begin today. God, that as we take the step you're calling us to take, that families would be put back together again. We speak restoration to marriages. We speak restoration to the relationships between parents and their kids. You are the God of restoration. You are the God of wholeness. So we settle for nothing less than that. God, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place. And right now we just say thank you. God, we say thank you. We say thank you. Being thankful is a sign that you're in faith. Because if you saw your family restored like right now, you start saying thank you. Can we just start to thank God in our own words? Can we thank God ahead of time? Like I know we're waiting for it to happen, but let me tell you, friend, it's already happened. God, we thank you today for your goodness. God, we thank you today for all that you've done. Thank you, God, for healing us. Thank you, God, for restoring us. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.